0: I think we're like big believers in the adage, like uh, <laughs> you're, you should be embarrassed in of your first release. So we had kind of a closed beta for a couple of months and then kind of our official launch was on Product Hunt kind of before Product Hunt was a thing.
1: Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. Today we have a guest. He runs a company that's basically one of my favorite tools right now. His name is Olaf Mate, and he is one of the co-founders of Mixmax, which allows you to send engaging emails with email tracking, scheduling, polls, and surveys, and God knows what he's been adding. But uh, Olaf, how's it going? I'm doing great, Eric. How are you? I am doing well. Thanks for being here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, well, why don't you just tell us about who you are and what your story is?
0: Yeah, sure thing. So um, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Mixmax, based out here in wonderful San Francisco, Uh, actually originally from New York, but mainly grew up in Sweden and studied in France. So I've been about in a bunch of places, but excited to be downtown SF now
1: tell us a little more about mixmax what was the impetus behind starting it love that
0: question so the impetus was actually a long long standing frustration with kind of how incredibly impoverished our communications are and that's something we all share as as co-founders actually so um, if you think about kind of how we communicate, especially how you communicate outside of your immediate team, typically you're just putting kind of digital digital ink on digital paper, right? It's plain text. It's really boring. It's flat. It's not at all expressive. And kind of funny because today's the day of the Snapchat IPO, right? And I'm kind of a huge proponent of the richness and communication that Snapchat has given us. Uh, and kind of a little bit philosophically similar, um, what MixMex does is kind of amplifies what you're able to do in your communication. And makes your communications much, much richer and much more expressive. So, as you mentioned, a couple of things you can do is like kind of embed any third-party app, or even just like embed your calendar directly in a message, or embed a video or an animated GIF, just to make messages much more like kind of apps or the web itself. So, that was kind of the original itch that we were trying to uh, trying to scratch with MixMix.
1: Yeah, and I'll just tell the audience. I mean, because I'm a you know user of the of the tool. I mean, I've been messing around with the outreach tool, and I, you know, us as an agency, we have different tools like Outreach.io and things like that. But being able to personalize things, uh, th- the way Mixmax's UI is set up when it comes to individual outreach, I think is better than any other tool I've seen. I've tried a couple, a host of them, and being able to, you know, personalize on on that front, and also, you know, sending templates, sharing templates, seeing how people are behaving on the team as well. Um, it's just great from not even just a sales perspective but also just kind of uh, managing customer relationships and things like that
0: yeah that's that's so great to hear and that 's actually one of the kind of core things we're we 're here to fix as well and it 's kind of funny if you think about kind of developer workflow or even how you work within a team right you t- typically have a lot of transparency on what everyone on the team is doing, especially as a developer right if you 're Using, using GitHub, which like mo- most of us are. Uh, but then it's kind of weird, because in non-engineering roles, typically it's really hard to understand what other people are doing on the team. So with kind of a lot of the analytics and kind of sharing features that we have within your team, you get like full visibility on kind of who's talking to who and what the state of different conversations are.
1: Awesome. And how much does Mixmax cost?
0: Uh, it depends a little bit on your needs, but everything from 9 to 65 per month. Got it.
1: Okay, and how many how many customers do you have? You know, what are uh, you know? Tell us about any numbers that you can share around the business.
0: Yeah, so I'm b- excited to uh, excited to share that we have more than five thousand customers, growing at a really really healthy rate, at north of north of twenty percent. So uh, we're really excited about about that. Uh, and it's kind of happened happened on its own. Actually, we just brought in someone to help us on on the sales side uh, a couple of months ago. But apart from that, it's kind of all been self serve, which we're really excited about.
1: Yeah, I don't even know how I heard about you guys, but I'm just a customer, so I, I, whatever you guys did, it's. I guess I should ask. You know, how did you go about acquiring your first, let's say, hundred paying customers?
0: Great question. Uh, so we had. Early on, I think we're like big believers in the adage like eh, <laughs> you're, you should be embarrassed in of your first release. So we had kind of a closed beta for a couple of months, and then kind of our official launch was on Product Hunt, kind of before Product Hunt was a thing. And that kind of the only reason we heard about Product Hunt is because we met someone who like worked there at some dinner who was also trying to get like Product Hunt off the ground back in the day. This was roughly almost two years ago. Actually, uh, so I think that actually helped us helped us in our launch, because it got us in with kind of an early adopter tech savvy community that might be more forgiving of quirks in early versions of product.
1: Got it. And the 5000 customers you have today, are these all paying? Yes. Got it. Wow. So these are those are
0: customers, not necessarily users. Because obviously we have a, a, there is a free plan of MixMax as well.
1: So I'm looking at this, I, I mean, you guys are what, charging anywhere from 9 bucks to what, 65 a month. And what's, what's like the average?
0: So that will actually depend a lot on the type of type of user you have. A kind of on average, it's $25, $30 per, per customer.
1: Got it. Okay. So, I mean, you know, people can extrapolate those numbers out to figure out your MRR numbers kind of roughly in those ranges. In, in terms of customer acquisition nowadays, what's working for you now?
0: for us actually it's still largely based on word of mouth and how the product how the product works so what we see is kind of someone starts using it in a company and then it gets shared kind of within the pod that you sit with and then it, and then it very much grows grows from there Yeah. So that's actually kind of the biggest growth driver for us. I wish I had some like smart nugget to share with fellow entrepreneurs about like, this is how you should grow. I guess we've just been incredibly product focused. So a lot of low hanging fruit for us to chew off on the marketing side.
1: Great. So it sounds like you have a salesperson right now. Do you have anybody handling marketing? We do. Someone who joined six weeks ago. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. That's exciting.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we're, I mean, we're a tiring through the wazoo for kind of all roles from engineering through to building out our sales and marketing team further. So if there are any listeners who are interested, shoot us a note, OLOF at MixMax.
1: Great. And this is all in, uh, all in SF? Uh,
0: this is in SF for engineering roles. We're able to do uh, remotes as well.
1: Cool. Makes sense. All right. Awesome. And uh, well, tell us about one big struggle you faced while growing MixMax.
0: Wow. The interesting thing is, I think, as a startup, kind of you have ups and downs daily, and there's almost daily kind of a new unanticipated struggle. Uh, And that, I think, is just kind of part of the joy of doing a startup and even just like working at a startup. Right. So, I mean, kind of, I guess, like a bigger, um, a bigger overall goal or something that's really important for us since we're growing the team so fast is uh, a couple of things that are really top of mind for us, like a uh, just how do we how do we grow the team fast enough with like incredible people and kind of a litmus test we have for uh, for growing the team and this might sound a little bit freaky is uh, could we work with this person for the rest of our lives and that's just a litmus test in terms of you know being being really excited about working with someone so i think growing the team is kind of like uh with the right people is just a kind of a constant challenge struggle that every startup has
1: Totally important and totally agree with that. You know, it's interesting, you know, people have, there's the beer test, right? And then, you know, it it evolves into the barbecue test too. So those are the two tests. But I think the rest of your life thing really causes you to, to think about it at a much deeper level. So when you think about that, I mean, you know, what traits are you looking for to, to consider if you, you're basically deciding if you want to marry this person, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess. Uh, and that's one, one thing I think is really interesting, as you mentioned, kind of beer and barbecue tests. We're kind of like the beer barbecue test has kind of been legion in, in the startup world. I think we're a little bit like don't we don't really buy into that philosophically. The way we think about bringing new people on is do people does this person add something really unique to the team? so it's more about how does how does this people contribute and like expand the culture of the company not does this person necessarily fit in quote unquote with the existing culture uh, So i think that's a little bit a kind of an important uh, mind mindset difference so i realize i probably didn't answer your your question precisely
1: no no it, it's totally fine i think what you're saying is you're looking for people that bring a unique perspective or add you know a you know unique kind of value to the company, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yep. and then kind of apart from that, I think there's some kind of like uh, overall criteria or like characteristics we look for uh, in teammates. Like a big one, obviously, at a startup is kind of this uh, overall thing of being like really ambitious, self-directed, uh, independent, uh, having a lot of drive because um, you just need to kind of like jump on things and get uh, and create outcomes for customers, right. And then from there there are kind of a lot of other values we look for in teammates, like uh, really good communication skills, being a really considerate individual, being creative. So those are some other other characteristics.
1: Awesome. And speaking of being creative, I mean you guys are you know, constantly layering on you know, newer features. How are you prioritizing these different features because I'm, I'm assuming you guys have a lot to you know go through.
0: Well, to will speak about just as a high level. And then there's like one or two things that it, it seems we, we do kind of uniquely. So kind of first of all, for for product prioritization and to say this as a as a former product manager, it, it's really an art. And so there are a couple of different kind of inputs to that. Right. One's the vision for the company. For us, it's becoming the kind of platform for all of your external conversations. So your vision guides you. Then, of course, we get a ton of input from our customer community and our user community, which is awesome. And often, with that input, right, you have to understand, you have to kind of listen through the lines and understand what are they actually trying to achieve. Because often, people will articulate kind of requests in terms of a specific feature request, but they might actually trying to be trying to achieve something something different. Um, and then we have a lot of kind of internal ideas and input that comes up as we use the product ourselves and. Um, as we as we build it so those are kind of i think three three different angles that help guide the roadmap very a a very like concrete tactical thing uh, that we do and i'm I'm curious how other companies do this when we get feature requests or when we kind of understand that a customer is trying to do something and the product doesn't really do it today we typically file on asana task or when we have a bug on something as well we'll like file in a the test we'll actually document who the customer is or what the domain is that's asking for this particular feature or, or help with this particular issue and what's nice is then when we actually ship the feature we reach out to them individually or rather with mixed max sequences and we say hey you know the thing you asked for you know last week well now it's actually live on the pro- in the product and here it is uh, so it's just a really nice way to engage engage the community in uh for us a pretty pretty light way
1: interesting okay I love it what do you are there any specific is there one specific tool that you use to manage you know your your product roadmap I mean you have you know you have a sauna it sounds like it's good for product management is there anything else that comes to mind
0: not really to be honest I think we're a little bit old school there like we're kind of fans of like we have internally a, a you know, product vision doc kind of for 2017 that we refresh on a somewhat regular basis. We have a short term like product roadmap doc, actually, actually Google docs. So we're probably a little bit old school in that regard. Then we like very sophisticated users of Asana, which we use as kind of both a task manager and and a bug tracker.
1: Cool. Love it. What's one big change you made in the last year that has impacted you or your business in a big way? Great question.
0: So one one thing immediately comes to mind because this person had his first year anniversary uh, recently. So we used to be an entirely San Francisco-based team. Some of us on the team had had kind of, and now actually we're a distributed team. So we have a couple of people who don't work in the San Francisco office. We have someone in Michigan, someone in Mexico, and someone in Australia. Being a distributed team was one of the best decisions we ever made as a company. And we were really, really skeptical doing this at first. But the way it started out for us was we get a lot of inbound for uh, people who want to work at, work at MixMax. Uh, typically, as everyone knows with inbound, it's not. Well, you kind of have to sift through to find the really, really high quality inbound that you get. But we got inbound from uh, this one person on the team who was uh, not based in the U.S. And we decided, hey, let's just check it out and see if it can actually work to be a distributed team. And so we interviewed with this person, to be incredibly awesome. And we brought him on and, um, it just worked great to be a distributed team. It brought all kinds of hygiene, brought hygiene in terms of, uh, you know, starting standups on time, Metro of hygiene in terms of, you know, documenting things properly in Google docs or sharing information in Slack the right way, or, you know, better documentation in Asana or wherever it is. Um, so it just brought a lot of hygiene in the theme. And then I think it's also actually really fun to be a distributed team because, just brings more more diversity and, and different points of view into the mix. You
1: know what's interesting when I when I was at Treehouse before, uh, our team was sixty percent remote, and I was one of the remoters, and I thought it was great. And you know, I like to work independently. I just you know I can figure out what I need to do. Um, and then when I came into Single Grain, the, the mistake that I made was you know most of our team was um, actually in house, and I switched it to remote like just like that without even considering that these people, some people couldn't work uh, remotely, so, and people have different personalities, right? And um, what yeah. I found from an agent, agency perspective, it, we had to switch it back to having at least the people that are doing the the marketing work. Is you, for me at least, you, you, I have to put them in a in an office environment where they can collaborate with each other, and you know they're doing the creative stuff. But I think if it's designers, developers, I think you know generally they can work well you know remotely. Um, what's your take on that?
0: Yeah, 100% agree. And I'm I'm, we're, I'm really looking forward to having kind of our current perspective on that challenge and, and be proven wrong. Um, just like initially we were really skeptical about the company being able to work productively as like a uh, in part distributed team. Uh, but, yeah, I think there are certain roles that work much better distributed than others. And perhaps the other thing I think is a little bit under that people often don't talk about with remote work. It's really a matter not just of the role, but of the kind of personality of the person who works remote. Typically, and this I hear from other companies that have kind of successful remote work programs too, it's people who work remote are typically, you know, a good couple of years out of college. They're typically a little bit more senior. Some of them have families. Everyone on the MixMix team who works remote has actually worked remote for multiple years before. So they know it's a way that they're able to be really productive and they have, you know, the right setup with a home office or an office away from home or things like that. Um, So I wouldn't recommend even for like, even for just engineering roles, uh, people who have like, I, th- I think it's an acquired it's an acquired taste and an acquired skill.
1: That's a great way to put. It. I totally agree with that. Um, and also at the same time, you know, you can't hire interns that have never worked remotely too. I, I think it's you got to look at the, the past too and if they've actually yeah. had success with it. Um, yep. So I totally agree with
0: that. And one, one last thing on that, Eric, actually, one, one thing that uh, we do, and this was just someone who recommended we do it, I think it was uh, uh, Automatic, the company behind WordPress, which is highly distributed. And we took this from their playbook, which is um, when someone joins who's going to be distributed, we bring them on site for one to two weeks when they start, just so they can meet everyone else in the office and kind of get properly onboarded. And typically, also we do like two team offs a year when the entire team comes together.
1: So smart! I know at you know Treehouse we did those offsites, but the, bringing them on on board for you know a week or maybe two weeks or so, like on site, that's super smart. I'm gonna steal that. Um, okay, cool. So, and 30, how old are you right now? Uh, I'm 36. 36. Okay, what's one piece of advice you'd give to your 25 year old self? God, good question. Uh,
0: take more risk. I think when I was younger, I was probably might have been a little bit more status for perhaps a lack of a better word, like status driven or risk, risk averse. And I think it's because when you're young, you don't kind of have any anything on your CV that's kind of really strong. And then at least back, well, back then, startups kind of didn't exist as a thing. (laughs) They might have existed in San Francisco, but definitely not as a thing uh, elsewhere. I think I was afraid of doing something that was a startup because it would look bad on my resume. And I think there's been like a big sea change now where, fortunately, unfortunately, in San Francisco, the climate is such that kind of doing a startup is what you should do for your resume because it's like the best way to 10X your learning in a really short period of time. So I'm happy that's the way the world works now because I think people have much better opportunities than they did uh, when I was 25.
1: What's one new tool that you've added besides Mixmax in the last year that's added a lot of value? So I think that
0: might actually be a a SaaS analytics product called ProfitWell. And so when you're starting out a business as an entrepreneur, you're probably using Stripe for your billing. And very quickly, you're like, hey, how much money am I actually making across different plans and kind of what's my retention rate, etc.? And ProfitWell was an incredibly slick way of uh, just getting great visibility on that. And there are other products like that. There's a product called Bear Metrics. Uh, they blog quite a bit about kind of SaaS metrics. And then as you get more sophisticated, you probably want to switch to other products like Recurly or Chargebee or Zora or things like that. But uh, that was one product that was really helpful helpful to us to get visibility in the business.
1: Cool. And what's one must read book you'd recommend to everyone?
0: Oh that's really easy. Uh sorry this is not going to be uh, tech related at all. Uh I would really recommend Mary Beard's SPQR. So Mary Beard is a history historian of antiquity in Oxford. She also has a number of YouTube shows. She's absolutely incredible and fun and she wrote she's written a number of books of which I've read all. Um and a great one to start with is SPQR uh which um was kind of the shorthand name for the Senate and the people of Rome. So it's a history about the Roman Republic through to its demise as it turned into an empire. Uh, And it's eerily uh, relevant in our days today, actually.
1: Cool. And so what have you what have you gotten from it?
0: Well, I think the joy of kind of for anyone who's into history, it just gives you a lot of perspective on your day to day. And kind of what society is like day to day. So I guess this goes a little bit outside of the kind of context of Mixmax or like startups and, and businesses. But we tend to think that everything we see is like really new and unprecedented. And in some ways it is. But and I would argue kind of most ways people 2000 years ago were tackling the exact same societal challenges uh, and had the exact kind of had similar uh, political issues and debates that we're still struggling with today.
1: What blog or publication do you tune into every day and it could be a podcast too. just one
0: uh, that's actually going to be Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Twitter is kind of has turned into my RSS feed, so I don't actually have a particular one that I go to. Uh, But I use my Twitter feed for
1: for that purpose. Same here, because it's so it's so well filtered, right? Yes. Somehow it just got incredibly relevant. Totally. Uh, Cool, man. Well, Olaf, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? Uh, so probably the best way is to follow us on
0: Twitter, actually, speaking of. So at MixMax, uh, and uh, you can get in touch with me on at Olofster, O-L-O-F-S-T-E-R. And also, if you're listening uh, and interested in kind of Mixmax's business, interested in what we can do for kind of your sales uh, automation or putting your outreach on autopilot, or just interested in, in working with us, you can send me a note to Olaf at MixMax, O-L-O-F at Mix Max, so it's not spelled like the Snowman in Frozen.
1: <laughs> All right, cool, Olaf. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks so much, Eric. That was really fun.